Hi, I'm Jill Wright, founder and CEO of Executive Shine. And on behalf of myself and my phenomenal guests, we want to welcome you to Executive Shine Soul to Soul Conversations. I am so honored to bring you some of the world's most fascinating and dynamic leaders who often only have one thing in common, uncommonly outrageous positive impact on people and businesses. They are leaving this world a much better place. So kick back and join us. Grab a few insights you can immediately apply to leverage your leadership and foster greater authentic connection in a world that's become increasingly disconnected. We so desperately need you to shine your light bright. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited this week because I have the honor of a friend of mine who is really leading the way in building authentic relationships in business. And I'm just, we are just so lucky to get to hear from her today. She's written several books. Her name is Liz Wendling, and I'm just so honored to have her with us today. And she's going to share some of her story and some really, some really important tips that can help you really build long lasting business relationships. So welcome to the show, Liz. Thank you, Jill. Let's do this. (laughs) I'm so excited. So I, I want to hear I want to hear a little bit of your story and then you were talking before the show about something that I want to dive right in with but but first tell us a little bit of your story because our stories really make you know who we are and help build our piece of the puzzle and our little contribution to the world so tell me tell me a little bit about that And boy, do they, they can shape everything. And I know it did it for me because I think back to how I grew up and the messages I heard as a little girl growing up in a family of four girls. And I was the black sheep of the family. I didn't, I didn't act like anyone. I didn't have the same energy level as everyone. And all I heard growing up was can't you sit still? Why do you have to talk so much? Can't you just go read a book? Why do you always have to do cartwheels? Why do you always have to be running around? And I had what I would call this zest for life and joy for being alive. And well, I didn't know, but little by little by little, my dad was throwing covers over me and saying, you know, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're too loud. Can't you lower the volume? And I started to believe that I guess I should. I guess I should be more like my sisters. I guess I should lower it, take myself down, turn myself into someone I wasn't. And I didn't do it consciously, obviously, as a little kid, but I I realized that I wasn't being me. And anytime a little hint of me would leak out, my father would say, can't you be quiet? Why do you have to move so much? Can't you just sit still? And all my life, I heard that all the way up until I was in my late 20s. And I heard messages of you're not good enough. At least that's what I turned them into. Who you were wasn't going to be acceptable for the real world. So you need to do something about it, young lady. 
And I took that into the world. And I believed I wasn't lovable, not good enough, and not smart enough, or too much for some people. And I wasn't myself. So that's what wound up happening was I, I wasn't supposed to be one way. So I turned into something that I wasn't. And that was even uncomfortable. So for a long, long, long time, I believed the messages that I was hearing. And it wasn't until I started, I would say in my late 30s, did I start to question the messages I heard as a little girl. And I had to look at the source. And I'm not, I never blamed my dad. I, I probably did maybe a little bit in the beginning, but when I realized he was he was giving me advice from his consciousness, from where he was, from, from what he thought the world would be accepting of. And I finally had to start listening to my own voice and stop hearing the voices from him and start hearing the ones that said to me, go do it, go be it, be loud, be funny, be exuberant, because that is who you are. And it took a while for me to get there, but eventually I realized, oh, oh, this feels really good. I like the person that I'm becoming. And it wasn't until I started liking me and allowing me to be seen in the world was when I really started having success. All that other stuff was still in the way of every job I had, every relationship I had. So 20 years later, it was about a 20 year journey. I realized along the way that I get to listen to my own inner voice, my inner wisdom, what I knew was true for me. And it didn't matter what anybody else said because they didn't know me. And I know my dad was not coming from a harmful place, but he did a lot of harm. And it was up to me to heal that harm that was done to me. And Absolutely. now that I feel like I've, I've gotten through the fire. Now I know that when I'm, when I'm with people and in my business and I'm working with clients that I know that I'm bringing my highest and best self with me, not the woman who's too, too much, not enough or not lovable and too much of that and not enough of this. And I allowed me to shine through and I gave myself permission to be me when for a long time I never did. What did it that is so beautiful. It's such a common thing. Yes. The, the not enoughness, I think, is the biggest disease, worse than heart disease, worse than breast cancer, worse than any disease that is plaguing women right now is the not enoughness. Right. And, and you're exactly right. What were the things that you did the little steps, because they're little steps. They know, for sure were that. little, little, tiny, little milestones. And so for me, it was, I started taking self-development courses. I started listening to uh, YouTube videos and reading books. And my very, very, very first book, I'll never forget, was called The Power of Intention by Wayne Dyer. And that was every bit of 24, five years ago, but it was the book that opened the door to, huh, intention. I never heard it put that way. You could live that way. You could be a woman of intention and move from that place. And that's what really started the ball rolling for me because it was a little bit of Wayne Dyer, then a little Marianne Williamson, then a little Deepak Chopra, and then a little Abraham. And it just spiraled from there. So for me, it was those hearing other people talk about ways that I could be. And then it was up to me to calibrate to that new way. But I had you know, 
yeah, you test some things and things don't feel right. So you realize I go, you always go by how I feel. If something feels right, then I know that's my sign to keep moving. But if something doesn't feel right or feels off to me, that's, I know my inside saying, hold off, take, take a breath. Something's here. You need to identify. Right. And so it was little steps of trusting my intuition and hearing my voices, not my dad's. Yeah. That's absolutely true. And I, I have to laugh, you know, it's when I interview people, it's their greatest pain that often identifies their greatest gift because that's what you do now. Yes. <laughs> if you help, I just listening to you, I'm like, oh my gosh, you, that's what you're doing now is helping people to share their voice speak their truth from their heart. You know, I've heard a definition of courage is from the heart. The root word of that, that word is from the heart. Mm. And that's what you're doing is you're helping because of the pain that you went through. And then when you overcome that, now you can be a guide, right? to other women and, uh, and men, you know, and professionals Mm -hmm. to be able to speak their voice. Because I think that that's true. We, I see it so often and people, especially women, we've had to, to be in the business world. We've had to be a certain way, just like what your dad said. We've had to be quieter. They say, Oh, don't be so emotional. (laughs) And you know, but our emotional nature is what brings in that connection. And I want to get into this because we talked about it in the beginning of the show. That's what starts to bring the empathy. Yes. So you talk before the show about the crisis of empathy in the workplace. So let's, I want to hear, talk All about right. how and, are people it, solving this? And it's not even, it's, it's in the workplace, it's in relationships, it's friendships. And it's the way after, let's go post pandemic. We all went through the same thing. We, or obviously some, some people worse than others, but we went through this all together, a collective ruffling of every single person's feathers. And what I noticed while we were going through it, and even a little bit after, is something I identified called the empathy deficit disorder. And it's, for me, it was the people who were unable or unwilling to step outside of themselves and, and truly, and I mean truly, not just on that surface level, Get a sense of what other people are experiencing, even if it's if it if if it's different than what they're experiencing. But to to really get in in there and empathize with people. So what I was seeing when people would reach out to me, let's say sending an email or a LinkedIn request, people would use empathy, but they would misuse empathy. So that's why I say there's an empathy deficit disorder. Would people think? When they think they're being empathetic, what they're actually doing is what I call drive-by empathy. Drive-by empathy sounds more like sympathy, not true, heartfelt, from your middle of your body type empathy. And what and it sounds like this. So, for example, when um, 
someone is using statements and they say, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I'm so sorry you're going through this. I'm so sorry your brother died. I'm so sorry to hear your cat died. I'm so sorry you lost your finger. And, and they're, they're throwing out this drive-by empathy when, first of all, you're saying, I'm so sorry, but it's not your fault. That's an apology. That is not deep, deep empathy. So when you say, I'm so sorry, I, these statements land as, as sympathy, not empathy. And they're actually, co- they come across like an insincere reaction to someone else's pain and circumstances. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Somebody posts on Facebook that so-and-so died in their life. And I look at all of the comments. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But nobody did. Nobody was responsible for your dad's death or your cat's death. It's not you. So it feels like a brush off and a throwaway, not a real heartfelt. So again, it comes across as an apology and you're not responsible for someone's pain. So when I'm working with my clients, for example, when I'm working with divorce attorneys and they have to show real empathy, appropriate empathy, impactful empathy, compassionate empathy for someone going through something extremely, extremely painful, all the way to someone who maybe has a business problem that is painful. You have to be able to whip out that real empathy, appropriate empathy, and the impactful kind, the kind that really touched someone's heart. Empathy makes people feel heard and understood. So for example, Jill, if if you and I were in a conversation and you shared something with me, I instead of saying, I'm so sorry you're going through that, I might say, oh, Jill, I can hear how difficult that's been for you. It sounds like you're feeling trapped. Or Jack, oh gosh, your whole work situation sounds so discouraging. And I could hear the frustration in your voice. That must be so irritating to have to deal with that every day you go to work. Joe, it's totally natural for you to feel that way. You got into a scary situation. And I left myself out of it. I didn't say, I, 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 I'm so sorry. I'm sorry you're going through that. I feel bad for you. I I stayed in the moment with you and felt your pain and was there with you and used a statement that showed you that I got what you're going through, that I heard you, that I listened to you. And I listened to what it sounds like, feels like, seems like to you. I'm not making it up. I'm not saying you sound pissed off when really you're sad. No, I'm using words that you've already shared with me. Now this takes time. This is, this is something that separates people who really want to do stay with their sympathy or use empathy because it takes a little time to craft and formulate a different response to I'm so sorry you're going through that wow Mary I could hear your frustration in your voice is totally different than I'm so sorry right right and there's a big deficit of that now and Big deficit. It's too easy to just say, oh, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Or I know how tough times are right now. Some of the emails that I received through COVID were, I know we're in challenging times or I know we're in unprecedented times. Leave yourself out of it. It's not about you. True empathy is about the other person. Right. It's so true. You know, I'm Through COVID, I've had some customers ask me to do 
the shine experience where uh-huh. they are serving each other. And one of the things that they recognized as they served others, but not just serving in receiving, they really had a increase in the level of compassion because they felt the vulnerability that their clients were feeling. Yes. There's impact and an energy that's getting shared. And when you could leave a situation feeling loved and heard and, and, and really held in that space, it's felt. You can't do that if you're just staying on the surface and throwing out lines that make it sound like you're creating that experience. It doesn't leave anybody in a better place. Yeah. It doesn't have them own their experience. And it doesn't, using the word, I hear the pain in your voice. I feel how much that is hurting for you. Mm -hmm. Or even saying your pain, your pain sounds challenging because then we keep it on the other person versus making it, you know, and and it's not to say that that's wrong saying I could hear the sadness in your voice. Absolutely not. But the more we could put the spotlight on the person who's sharing that piece and saying your, your situation sounds so challenging right now at yeah. least acknowledge that because it's their situation, not uh, not ours. We're just with them in the process, feeling that with them. Yeah. And that's, I think, part of the biggest piece. And one of the things that I really, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on the show today because you are teaching those things. And nobody, I, I, I don't hear that from anyone that are right. teaching those kind of things. And those are the tools that build connection. I always say there is no connection in perfection because everybody thinks they can go in and they can have this beautiful mask on and they can build a relationship with someone. Right. Well, that's not how it works. <laughs> you know, even in nature, they they cut the seed, they they scratch up the tree, you know, because to bring things together you know, they have to be imperfect. They, they can't have that, that mask on. There is no connection in that. That's right. So your work is helping people connect in business relationships, helping attorneys, you know, connect Mm -hmm. with their clients, because just like what you said, when those clients feel seen, feel heard, when they feel that empathy when they feel that genuine caring and really feel it really feel it it changes everything it changes it sends a message that wow you really are listening to me you really can help me you really are someone that I may hire and if you do it any other way you sound like everyone else so you I'm not saying anybody has to change you can keep doing sympathy instead of empathy but know that real heartfelt sympathy changes the game changes your bottom line changes the way people are with you and I a a lot of people don't know this but I do a lot of secret shopping as well and I will secret shop law firms and I come to a zoom call like this I change my name on the screen and I take on the whole persona of a woman 
needing a divorce. And my situation is not a pretty one. I always have something very traumatic happen to me. And almost every single time they will say to me, I am so sorry you're going through that. And then when I work with them and I teach them that, they go, oh my gosh, that even feels different in me when I do it your way. They can feel the difference coming out of them. And it doesn't feel like they're apologizing for this person, for my disastrous marriage. They're actually with that person and making it about the other person. And they say, you can see people relax a little more. And, and lean in a little more because all of a sudden you did something that everyone else didn't take the time to do. Yeah. And it's free. You yes. know, in, in my business, you know, our tagline, Executive Shine, it's all about the love. And I tell people all the time, love is free. Yeah. Like empathy is free. It's Compassion free. is free. <laughs> Real, authentic connection is free. Yep. And so and it's hard to do it. Yeah. And what it does is it takes time. That's the thing. I hear people say, I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to connect with people. I'm going into meetings. I'm on Zoom call after Zoom call. I don't have time. And I say, great. Well, then I guarantee you your competition, if they even take just a sliver of time to make that connection with someone, they're the ones that are going to win out. So if you don't want to do it, that's fine. You make, the, make it easier for someone to go into the door of your competition. Absolutely. And people are starving for that right now. Yes. I think particularly, I think they went through the pandemic and slowed down, Mm -hmm. started to think about, hmm, what's important to me? And now coming out of that, then we are now looking for the skills like what you're teaching to shift right? going back to those old ways. That's going to get you to where you were, not where you want to go. That's right. That's absolutely right. So what talk about in your book? Well, first tell us about your, you've got, you've written several books. One of which I have here. I don't know if you can see it. Um, Selling without selling your soul. But then you also have another new one. And so talk about that. That is the heart of authentic selling. And that's, so the first one you mentioned, that's a book for women, Sell Without Selling Your Soul. It's a sales Bible for women. And then when I wrote that, men said, well, what about us? How, can't you put something in a book for us? So the, so the heart of authentic selling is for anyone who has ever said to themselves, I love what I do, but I hate to sell. I'm not a salesperson. Um, I don't want to be one of those pushy, aggressive people, which no one wants anyway. And that, um, or I, I can't, I can't, um, I can't be one of those salesy people, or 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 go into that t- stereotypical salesperson role. And I always say, good, because that was the way selling was 40 years ago. Now you can, you can, t- you can believe that that's how selling still is. And then have no part in it, take no part in it and do nothing that looks like sales, but you're going to be pretty broke pretty fast. Or you can give your, create a new meaning of the way sales is. Today, selling has changed in so many ways. It's not like it used to, like it used to be. 
Yes, there are some people that still sell like it's 1980 and 1990, but there is another way to sell. And that is when you come from your heart, not your head. When you meet people where they are, not where they used to be. When you speak to people in a way that makes them see you as different. When you can communicate your value, build trust and credibility. And you can't do that with 1980s and 90s sales techniques. There's a new language out there. And if you're not speaking the new sales language, you're going to be in trouble in a really short amount of time. Yeah, it's true. And I think people are realizing that. They are. And we still see it even post-pandemic. In fact, it's really kicked up speed. Anybody who's on LinkedIn or has a Facebook page or even an email these days is being inundated with people who connect with them one minute and less than four seconds later, they're being sold to. And somebody is preaching to them that this is what people want. Somebody is selling big ticket dollar programs to people who they tell them that this is the way that the world is now. You connect and then you start selling. And that is the complete opposite of what I teach. You must take time in between your connection to getting to the piece where you're selling. Because not everybody wants what you have. And when you have that everybody is a, is a client or everybody is a potential client, you're, you will have few because people are not going to put up with that spray type uh, prospecting. Right. It's about relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't try to sell me. And I, whenever that happens to me on LinkedIn, I connect with someone and I might send a message and say, thanks for connecting. I appreciate and value our new connection. And then Four seconds later, they're selling me their new program, their book, their check out this, check out that. And I email them back and I say, wow, did I make a mistake? I mistook you for someone who cared about me. I am deleting your request and we are no longer going to be connected. I don't appreciate the, your approach. And I always say, P.S., if you really want to learn how to do it the right way, let me know. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't want to be connected to people like that anymore. I don't want to be connected to people who don't see that you pushing up against my front door is not a way to get in. It's me opening it and welcoming you in. That's the only way people are going to do business with you today. Absolutely. It's all about relationships. And that's what's been the, the only reason that I have the successful business I have is building those relationships. And And part of relationship too is what you're saying is honoring people where they're at and meeting them where they're at, building that relationship. And so then they can begin to trust you, connect authentically, all of those things. You got to deliver value because they connect with you because of who you are That's it. and it wouldn't matter what you're doing. That's right. You know, how did you, how did you build these skills that, that are now really helping people make a difference in their other, in the people's lives? Well, they're basic human connecting skills, the stuff that we all want and I, I dug down into and talked to business owners, entrepreneurs, and asked, what drives you crazy when you're in a sales situation? What is, are the things that piss you off and make you ghost people, run away from people, not return their phone calls and emails? What do they do or say or how do they act that makes you 
immediately dismiss them and say, typical salesperson, or I don't want to talk to somebody like that. And they shared with me all of those little things that aggravate the hell out of them. And it turns out they were the same ones that aggravated me. And then they told me the things that they appreciate. What really makes someone lean in and listen versus check you off the list and never talk to you again. I always tell people, if you're being blown off, brushed off, put off, totally ghosted, people don't respond to your emails, voicemails, or text. It's not them. It's you. Something you're doing or saying in the way that you're being is actually turning them off. And just because you say, I don't want to be salesy, I don't want to be pushy, I don't want to be one of those stereotypical salespeople, doesn't mean you're not showing up that way. And when I'm working with clients and they send me some of their uh, emails or their scripts or things that they're working on, and they claim to be a real heart-centered salesperson, and when they realize, wow, I sound like I got stuck in the 90s, they realize just because you say something doesn't mean it's true. Right. And we have to get in there and make who they are match the words, the language, the approach that they're using. Once congruent and once aligned, watch what happens to their business because they're both they're operating from this internal and external place that's very lined up. It isn't I'm saying one thing, but I'm acting another when you're not congruent. People might not be able to put their finger on why they're picking up on that incongruence. They're not sure, but they're getting that internal hit that says, I'm not sure I trust this person. I don't see the value in what this person is is trying to sell to me. And sometimes people don't know how to tell you the truth because they don't know why they're feeling that way. But then others do. They, they want to be able to say, leave me alone. Stop bothering me. Stop emailing me. The way you're treating me, I don't like it. But they don't. What most people do is just avoid people because they don't owe you that. If you're uh, making someone feel less valued or that you're pushing something on someone, they do not owe you a thing. They don't owe you an email. And I, I will have people that say, I can't believe that someone would just blow me off. I can't believe that they would never email me back. And I say, tell me a little bit about what you might have done that could have caused that. And they don't put the spotlight on them. They blame the potential client. And that's when the real shit happens because that's where the conversation starts. When I can talk to someone from that place and they go, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing or saying. Then we start peeling the layers back and we can build from there. Yeah. Yeah. It starts with self-awareness. That's it. And personal responsibility. Yes. And and in that self-awareness, understanding who am I and how, so how, give our listeners some tips on how you actually take your personal values and, and build that into your, your brand, I guess, and, and to, into your message and how you can come across. Cause I, I think people don't know that who they don't, you're right. And so the first thing I would say is stop listening to the noise. Stop listening to people who are telling you the only way you're going to make sales is if you're on Pinterest and LinkedIn and Facebook and you're doing videos and you're writing articles and you're doing... No, that isn't it. What it is, is identifying 
first of all, who you are. How do you want to put yourself out there? If you said, to, if someone came to me and said, Liz, I just want to do videos. I don't really like to write. Then together, we're going to figure out how to create something moving forward, doing something that lights you up. If you like video and you hate writing, then I'm never going to ask you to, to write. I may ask you to write a few sentences and post something, but I'm not going to ask you to write a blog once a week if that isn't where your passion is. So when someone tells you, you can't be successful unless you're doing X, Y, or Z, kick them in the shins and run like hell, because that is not the truth. Everybody can't be doing everything, but you can do something that lights you up. And then you find one thing that lights you up and you go, oh, I do like this. You know what? I think I'm going to do a longer video and maybe even do a webinar. Then I'm going to do this. But you get to kick the door open first and identify what lights you up from the inside out, not because somebody on LinkedIn or Facebook is trying to sell you a program that says, let me show you how to get more leads on LinkedIn. If that's not your space and you don't want to be on LinkedIn or you don't want to bother people on Facebook, but you have other ways that you want to put yourself out there, honor the heck out of that because that's congruency. That's authenticity. Not when you're doing something because someone told you to do it. There's nothing worse than somebody saying, you have to do this to be successful. No, you don't. There's something in you that you know what it is, but you have to give yourself permission to let it out and then run like hell with it. It's so true. You know, during the pandemic, that I've, I've never been too much of an online person before. And mm -hmm. I'm a soul to soul, you know, personal, yeah. in-person human connection. And so when they shut us down, you know, my, my business was my ministry. Like it was, it was my, my gift to the world, my way to brighten their day, to connect with them, to listen, to honor them, to all of that. And it was devastating to me. Like, what, what happened? Like, God, I was doing a good job, <laughs> right. you know, and, and really, and, and I, so everyone said, you need to learn to be online. And honestly, I tried that. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned, there's a lot of skills I did learn, but I, I found out, I don't, that's not who I am. And when I was honest with myself, and I said, you know what? That's that's not who I am. And if I die, I've got to be who I am. And you know, they say the truth will set you free. And speaking truth, yes. it it opened it up. And and clients started calling me, and they said, Hey, can you come in? Could you do some workshops for us? And I'm like, Well, I've never done that before, but you know, could you take what you were doing with like the CEO experience and bringing them into the airport and teaching them about connection? You know, it's kind of like undercover boss. Right. Can you take that into a group experience? And I'm like, well, I but probably again, could. <laughs> you know, honored, you know, it's exactly, we tell other people, you know, I tell everyone you need to honor your people, but what didn't I do? I didn't honor myself. Right. I didn't honor what felt right to me. I did exactly what you said. I listened to other people. I tried to be something I wasn't because I thought that's what the world is now. I mean, it's online. I'm scared to death. 
because, you know, I've never done that. And then you have the shame and the guilt yeah. and all of that. And somebody else knows better than me. That's right. the other. Yep. Someone else knows better than my own soul. BS. That's not it. So good for you for listening to your soul to really tap into. That's not me. That's not to say you don't do something about it. You honor that and say, okay, if that's not me, what is me? What is my next step? What door can I open? And you open some doors because you trusted that. You didn't just follow down the path that everyone else was on. Yeah. And uh, that's what I'm, I'm teaching people now is, uh, is about honor and to be able to do that. And you talk about that too. That's, that's a big part of your book mm-hmm. and um, connecting authentically and all of those things. And I always like to ask like, what, how, how did you learn that? I mean, where, tell me that experience because people have different ways. They learn the importance of real authentic authenticity and real authentic connection? I learned it through trial and error because I learned sales the old school way. I learned in the 80s how to sell and the 90s. And it was all get the sale, sign the contract, close the deal, do whatever you had to do to do that. Because that's the way the world was back then. And now with the internet and now that there's every single industry is saturated with people who've got a computer and a website and that's your competition. So in the past, it was done differently because it was different back then. Now we're in a world where everything is so different. So interviewing clients, interviewing my own self, asking myself, if I was going to send an email, what kind of email would I open up? If I was going to meet a new brand new client who invited me in to talk about sales training How would I want someone to handle me? How would I want someone to treat me? And that is how I started building my programs over 15 years ago, by putting in the the value, bringing in the connection, talking to people as human beings, not as a prospect. Even though I'd use that terminology, I don't see them as a prospect. I see them as a human being who has identified something is off in their business, And it's up to me to dive a little deeper and find out if I'm the right person for their problem, or do I pass them off or give them a referral to someone who's a better option? And when I go in, I just assume it's a fact-finding mission. Every phone call I take, every discovery call I do, every meeting that I have with someone new, I disconnect from the outcome. And, and this took a long time to do. I don't care what happens. I real, If you hire me, awesome. If not, awesome. It doesn't matter. That took a while to unravel that because when you first start your business, you need the business. But I knew that the energy I was showing up because I needed the business was very different than a woman who says, I would be honored to have your business, but if I'm not the right person, I can't take your business. And to show up that way, is very different for me. I could feel the essence of who I am comes out that real, that real. What you did to me, but this didn't even feel like a sales meeting. It didn't even feel like that. And it's, it's such a, it's so 
good to be told that because I know that that confirms that I'm on the right path, that I'm still on the right path. It felt good to me too, but for someone to acknowledge that this is really something different. I wasn't expecting our conversation to go like this. Yeah. And oh, that's, so that's what I teach my clients now. I get inside their business and we massage it in a different way so that they get to show up that way and experience the same thing back to them, get reflected back to them. What a beautiful reflection when you show up as that highest and best, most authentic self disconnected from any specific outcome. You get that back. You absolutely get that back. And I've had times where it's actually been better than I thought it could be. I thought I was going in to talk about X, but they said, well, can you do this? And what about that? I think we need some help with this. And I walked out with three times more than I thought I was walking in. But if I was so focused on closing that deal and getting that contract signed, I would have walked away with nothing. I think when you, I think it's really interesting. There's a piece of that, that, that when you show up fully embodying your authentic self, your soul, when you're coming from the heart, you give per, you give the people in the room. It's like you change the energy in the room. Yes. You give people in the room permission to show up authentically. Yep. And just you make it safe. We I I talk a lot about the power of safety. Yes. Oh, in yes. a, in a re, any kind of relationship, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a business relationship, whether it's a personal relationship, but creating that I was just talking to my manager last night and we were talking about that and she said it, that's one of the biggest reasons, you know, I, I've people have worked for me for 20 years and, and I didn't really pay attention to why I, I thought I was just lucky, you know, yeah. for a long time. And, um, I'm like, I'm the most blessed person in the world. Cause I have the greatest people. And they said, no, you make us feel safe. Like yes. we can be who we really are. And we have permission not to be perfect. You push us into areas that we would have never felt confident enough to be, you know, to do. My manager is in his 30s, but one of the greatest men that, that I mean, really. Oh. And, and when he started, he, he couldn't even, he had such a speech impediment he couldn't even complete a sentence, you know, so it was, it was like tough to serve customers when, oh, you know, understand. Yeah. But creating that, that space of safety between you and the customer is what you do naturally. And I had to like figure that out. You know, when you, you have to have friends like you and me who can reflect back to each other the, the real gifts that we have that, that we don't realize, but when you show up like you do fully embodying your authentic self, everybody's like, wow, it's safe for me to be myself with this person. And that's the energy that we've created in my business. And I didn't really even realize that, you know, to you, 
kind of dig deep. Why is this working? Right. So teaching people to, to show up that way gives permission for everyone in the room to, to do the same. And then you take off the mask and you put it in the chair next to you and you really connect as a human being. Yes. First. Yeah. Yes. So it's such a gift, you know, such a gift what you're doing for it's freeing. It, it is. Oh my God. It's like you t- bust out of the shackles of, oh, I thought it was supposed to be that way. Or I was taught to do it that way. This way feels like me. And when someone says that to me, that I have never felt more like myself in a sales conversation or doing a presentation than after going through your program, you gave me permission to say things that I thought I was supposed to say because someone else told me who knew better and I help them discover a new way to say it that reflected who they were. And it's just magical what happens because your light is shining in this room that wasn't as bright as it was. It was on when you showed up at this meeting, but it wasn't as bright and not everybody can see it. And when you can turn that magic light on in your business and look, this isn't an overnight thing. I'm not at all suggesting that. It took me 25 years, but I help people shorten that, shortcut that. But I tell people that authenticity only gets you so far, only gets you so far. You could be the most authentic CPA, dentist, attorney, dog walker, cake baker. I don't care if you have crappy, sloppy sales skills, they don't match up. They do not, they are not congruent. If you have crappy messaging or self-serving messaging, when you send an email and you say, oh, I would love to meet with you, that is self-serving messaging. So if your messaging is coming across self-serving, but you're really authentic, it doesn't line up. So I, that's why I say you have to have great skills that pair up. It's like plugging your toaster into the wall and turning it on. That's how you get toast. You could st- sit there all day waiting for toast to be made, but you have to plug into the source. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. It's so true. So many people, they do all of this stuff and then they don't plug the vacuum in. That's right. And it looks like they vacuumed because there's marks all over the carpet, but you haven't done a darn thing. So I always say that you pair up your authenticity with great skills totally prepared, confidence, rock solid confidence. And that's the light that people see. Because I I have clients that will, before their clients will say, oh, I'm just, I'd rather just be authentic. I'm going to show up and just serve. I'm just going to be a servant. Well, nobody wants to be served. They want to do business with an aligned individual, someone who's congruent, someone who's authentic, but has amazing skills that can convey their value and expertise in a way that helps them facilitate a great buying decision. Authenticity only gets you so far. It's so true. So true. People don't, like, people don't understand that. And- it's a cop out. 
when someone says, oh, I just want to be me, which really underneath says, I don't want to learn any of the skills. I'd rather just keep taking shots that don't go anywhere, spinning my wheels and having people blow me off than to actually learn some skills behind that. They're afraid of sales. They don't like sales. It's because of the, what they think selling really is, right? Right. It's totally different. It's so true. And so I always like to, to wrap up. What is one of your, the greatest life lessons that you've ever learned that you could share? Oh gosh. I, someone asked me this a few weeks ago. I'm going to say the same exact thing. My, my dad growing up with four girls in the family, we all had chores. We all had things to do around the house. And he always used to say, don't half-ass anything. And he was, for all the things my dad did wrong, he did one thing really right until this day, he still does it. He gets stuff done. He honors his word. He does what he says. He follows through. He, He has shown us that when you say you're going to do something, you do it. And you just don't do it and do it half ass you bring your whole ass and you do it well and you put the bow on it and be proud of what you did. Because there were many, many times where I'd have to vacuum the kitchen or uh, vacuum the pool or dust. And he'd say, you didn't put your whole ass in that. You half-assed it. And I know that was my Italian dad's way of saying, you didn't do a good job. And there's a way to do it and be proud of it. So everything I do now, I ask myself, did I, am I half-assing this or am I really putting my whole self into that? And it's that he's taught me discipline, focus, and he didn't necessarily teach it to me and say, you have to be disciplined and focused. He did it by example. I never saw my dad call in sick once in my entire childhood, not once. He had a job. He got up at four in the morning. He got on a bus into New York City. He'd lay his clothes out the night before and he never called in sick. And he had a job to do. And he said, nope, someone's counting on me. I have to be there. And that's, I feel like that I channel my inner dad with things like that. I don't cancel on people. I don't, I do what someone asked me to do and I don't make excuses. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so busy. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to get to you. I'm sorry. I'm late. I'm sorry. 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 It's not enough anymore. It's owning who you are and honoring your word. So I would say that would be the best one was don't half-ass it, but there's so, so many lessons in his don't half-ass it. Well, and even in he, he didn't just say it. He embodied it. He did. Yep. Because talk is cheap. Yep. You know, and one of the things that people don't realize is that people are watching you all the time. All the time. And when you do something that's inconsistent, for example, I had someone say to me, oh, I'll I'll send you that email. I'll I'll send you that tomorrow. Or I'll get that in the mail to you. Or um, uh, I'll take care of that. Or yeah, let me finish that up and get it right over to you. And then I have to remind them and say, oh, I thought you were sending that to me. Oh, I'm so sorry. I got so busy. And, and we give people that pass. Now, I'm not saying that we can't have grace for people and we can't let people have a little leeway, but it's the people who do it all the time and apologize for their bad behavior. And then we say, oh, it's okay. It's just a few minutes. Oh, it's okay. So we let them get away with that. 
So when someone says, oh, I'm so sorry I'm late, I, I wish someone would say, thank you for waiting for me. Thank you for your patience. Thank me for that. Don't apologize and throw out the I'm sorry like confetti. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I didn't do that. It just doesn't fly. If you want to be that high-level businesswoman, businessman, business owner, you've got to play at a different level. You've got to rise up to that different level because when you do, people notice. They notice. They notice when you're 20 minutes late and don't say anything. They notice when you forget to email them back. They notice. And they, they do a little mental check mark and say, I don't know if I want to do business with someone like that. And if you make a mistake, own up to it. That's it. I shared a story with you when we were face-to-face last week. I owned up to some a mistake I made in a proposal. And I said to the company, look, I, I put the wrong numbers in. I didn't change them. It's my fault because I didn't check them. And I hit the send button and I'm embarrassed. And I completely understand if you don't want to do business with someone like me. And they loved it. They said, oh my gosh, thank you for your honesty. Absolutely. We understand. We make mistakes. And and we had a totally different relationship after that. It felt like we could tell each other the truth. We can be honest. And it wasn't an easy email to send. I didn't want to admit that I screwed up really bad, but they appreciated it. So I think if we take that personal responsibility, people notice that as well. Well, yes. And I think that taking, you know, people ask you all the time, Liz, how do you get so confident? When you take personal responsibility, and I learn from you, and I want to surround myself from people that are better than me and really have some skills that that I can become a better person from being around. But when when you take that responsibility and you do the right thing and you show up and you and you do keep your word and you do what you said you're going to do and you are dependable. Then when you go to bed at night, you're proud of yourself. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. You know that you did. If you made a mistake, you owned it. And if you did well, you own that as well. But I thanked them also for letting me have a growth spurt right before their eyes. Thank you for allowing me to be embarrassed, but also be transparent at the same time and being willing to receive my embarrassment and start all over again. Oh, what a gift they gave me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it, what goes around comes around, you know, you, you give it to people and it's beautiful when you can see it come back to you. 100%. Yes. Thank you so much. What a rich show. Oh. I mean, so many amazing little tips that you gave people in how to show up, how to see people. What is empathy versus sympathy? Right. You know, and where can they get in touch with you? I'm going to put all of your information in the show notes. Okay. So they can connect with you. But where can they, um, th- where can they connect with you? They can connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook or go to my website. It's LizWenling.com and start there. Awesome. Awesome. I enjoy my time. Anytime I get to spend with you. Thank you so much. I know. I just love it. So thank you so much. And until next week, we will be back again and get a hold of you And there is just so much you have to give the world because there's so much you've learned. 
and you just share your heart with people and it's so beautiful. So thank you for sharing your heart with us today. My pleasure. All of your great information to make us, to make us really better people. You know, every day we want to learn and we want to grow. And, and so thank you for contributing to that. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Love you. Bye.